40 foot of Perennis. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> 10 win season, just the seventh in the history of the program. Dino Babers has delivered on his promises. It's over! It's over! The Orange have won it! Syracuse has won the national championship! This is the Seth Everett Show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to CSPN Syracuse. It is Tuesday, the day after Labor Day, September 3rd, 2019, and we are here along ESPN Syracuse. We're also on in Utica. We're on all over central New York. My name is Seth Everett. Polly Sevilla, back from Lynchburg, uh, pun intended, is uh, with us now. Polly, how was the weekend? Great. It was a little warm there. Football was fun. Beautiful stadium for a brand new Division One school. Was it nice? Hey, it looked nice on TV. Yeah, it was a uh, tiny but pretty, like me. Uh, tiny, tiny but pretty. All right, None, nonetheless, coming down in three, two, one. Let's do the <laughs> open again. Welcome everybody. Good morning. It is Tuesday. I hope everybody had a good, safe Labor Day, and uh, everybody get back to work. That's my biggest thing because people are in summer mode, and now today starts the no excuses. Like school is starting all over wherever you're at. Uh, school is starting. Football season's underway. Did you just say that on the air, or you just said that to my head in, in my headphone? No, it must have just been in your headphones. Sorry. Oh, okay, great. That's what I love. <laughs> I love. It's like he's whispering sweet nothings to me. <laughs> he was talking to the producer. Um, what was my point? Oh, school starts, college football has under, is underway, and now the NFL gets underway for real on Thursday, and uh, no more of this preseason nonsense. We haven't done a lot on the NFL preseason, frankly, because it's been literally unwatched. Are one and zero heading into a game against Maryland? I'll tell you this: I had a fun weekend. I did a post game show with Eric Dungy for the first time in my life, and oh my goodness, was that fun! Uh, how was it? Did you? Uh... Oh my! Oh my God! <laughs> was that not a tee up enough for you? For you? I have better chemistry with Dungey, and I did one show with him. Sorry, having having issues back here. Sorry, we're working on it. Are you Are you distracted? Do you? No, everything's fine. You want to sit this one out? We can, we can go without. <laughs> do you Do you want to play today? Um, Dungey, I thought was great. I thought it was very cool how people reacted to him. Um, very strange because Trappers in East Syracuse was it was packed, right? So when we walked in, Trappers is packed, and people did a double take. They're like, "Wait a minute, who, wait, I, who is that guy? Who is, you know? He shows up wearing a Syracuse shirt. You know, he had he had the he had the football polo going." And uh, he was kind and charming to every person there. Took probably two dozen photos. Like everybody wanted to take a picture with Eric Dungey, and uh, it, 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 it was it was very very good. And he didn't seem distracted at all. He was totally on point. If you heard the post game, I thought he was focused. And for somebody out in a public setting like that, a guy who has you know celebrity status in this town, I thought he did a great job. Something you railed on for a week prior was the ESPN Plus. How did that go over in a bar? Oh, I Well, okay, a couple of issues with that. Um, I'm not blaming trappers, but by the end of the game, uh, it was kept buffering. In the beginning of the game, it wasn't. 
Uh, but at the end of the game, when everybody started going on their phones, it, it started to push. And again, not ripping trappers for this, but I had trouble connecting to their Wi-Fi on my iPad, which has all my notes for the show. Um, so that became a little bit problematic, but we got around that. Uh, you know, I basically just had to go off their Wi-Fi and get some cell service, and that's that's what I wound up doing. But I got a, I, I didn't want to ma- bring this up in the open. I saved this for segment four, but since you asked, I will answer. The shame of ESPN Plus airing commercials during that broadcast. Commercials that they sold and made money on a service that people are paying for. That is the most anti-Netflix, anti-Disney, anti-thing I have ever... I, I was shocked that they were airing commercials. And I, that, that was a tweet. And then a couple of people who run the Sirius XM college sports channel got involved. And there was a debate. And it was tw- trending on Twitter on that day. Why can't... What, what do you want them to air when there's... Commercials that are supposed to be playing. I, 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 I'm glad you asked. I have, I have a solution. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boy, it's like we rehearsed this. Uh, here, here's, here's the solution. Here's what you do. You run ESPN Plus promos when you're taking a break. You, you run ESPN Plus promos, promo all the 30 for 30s, promo the wrestling that they had, promo whatever exclusive content, promo ESPN content. For example, promo... Other college football games, promo the U.S. Open that they have, you know, for two weeks exclusive. There's lots of things you can run in promos. And you are cutting, you know, look, I worked for ESPN, so I know what their operation is. It's a well-oiled machine. They are cutting highlights of every game all the time. Get 30-second highlight packages that that are already being cut that just need a voiceover and get someone in the studio to voice it and show highlights of the day. And it's a very easy process. I would say an intern could do it. Knowing how Bristol works, I know that they could have done it. And what you do is you put that whole package together and you could have two-minute breaks anytime you need them, and they're easy. And what they wouldn't do, no one's blaming you for taking a break. What people are going to get upset about is... I paid for this service, and you're showing me uh, car ads, and they were showing me, um, I think, something for a hot tub. You could buy a hot tub ad, and I think that's disconcerting. See, this is what drives me crazy. I do the MLB.TV and stuff, and they run the same stupid promo every inning, and it drives me crazy. I would rather have fresh commercials playing than the same spot running over and over and over again. But, and I pay for that. But again, MLB. But MLB has has a production team. I've, I've I've done MLB Network, so I can tell you that story. They have a great production team. They know how to prepare something. And on an MLB TV game, what, what I would appreciate they can do is promo other events, promo exclusive comment content. Uh, promo stuff for the MLB Network. They used to just put. It's sc- not available on their app. They used to just put a screen up that said "We'll be back in a minute," and music would play. And well, I ESPN that. Plus did that at times. They did that at times, which showed me that they hadn't sold everything yet. But what 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 was disconcerting is as the broadcast starts. Now I understand they're going to have a Liberty slant because it's a Liberty broadcast. I totally get that. But to start showing ads after s- people especially people in Syracuse who 
you know, don't normally do this. They spent money to get this game. Don't don't show me that you're making money on top of that. It's disconcerting. It's it's borderline offensive. But, you know, again, that's not this was totally a segment for if management is listening and you're saying, why are they talking about it? It's because my partner here who's talking to 17 people at the same time brought up ESPN plus and it got me agitated. We're going to talk plenty of Syracuse Liberty in Syracuse, Maryland, this broadcast, my friend. Well, hopefully, because I'm done with Liberty. I, I am. I am done, and I did not on the post game show. But I, 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 the coach who has the bad back. <laughs> that was uh, so weird. <laughs> it, was, it was so weird. But I had one issue with him. One issue. Hugh Freeze is his name. Correct. And I, I had one issue. It was so slight. But if this is going to become, if this show has become a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, let's just go down swinging. Why in the first half did he have a blanket? <laughs> and then why did he lose the blanket at halftime? It was hot, dude. I don't he know why he would have bl- had a blanket in the first place. It was like 88 degrees. He had a degrees. blanket. And he's a coach. And I and look, I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning his, his injury, but why a blanket? And why did he look like... <laughs> Can I do it? Can I say what he looked like when he had the blanket? Yes. He looked like he looked like the grandparents in Willy Wonka. That's what he looked like. <laughs> he looked like 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 Joe about to get on out, out of the bed when he finds out that Charlie got the golden ticket. And now if he's in in <laughs> Why a blanket? I it was bothering me. It was bothering me, and I, I thought about a tweet about it, but I said, you know what? I said, the guy's got a bad back. Let's, I, I, it's, it's, it's weird. It was weird to do a halftime interview with him. It, I understand that I, he did his press conference via, like, Skype or FaceTime or something like that. I just, I, I, he was wearing normal clothes. Why the blanket? Why were you underneath a blanket if it's hot and you're coaching a football game? It was it was so weird being there too because when the sun set, like you couldn't see him before when the sun was up, but when the sun set, you just saw the silhouette of a hospital bed <laughs> up in the booth. It was really bizarre, and it was sideways. He wasn't even facing the field; he was facing a wall with a TV on it. It was really weird. Right. It's it, 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 it. First of all, you don't have to put him there. And and there's no reason why he has to be in the booth, and maybe it's because he wouldn't want to face the sun or something. I I, I understand that. Why not put him in the in the locker room with the TV? It, 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 it was a privacy. Really, really a weird situation. It was weird. I, the, the one thing I noticed, like I said, I, the first half I watched the first half on the iPad, and I was at Trappers by halftime. And so when I saw it on my iPad, I noticed that he had a blanket. And I said, that's weird. Why? why? Like, I understand he's in a bed because of his back, but he looks like an old man with this blanket. And then by halftime, it was as if someone read my mind because he took the blanket off and he just had his uniform. Well, you know, whatever his pants were or shorts or whatever, whatever, whatever he was wearing. I'm not judging what he's wearing, but I thought it was strange that he had a blanket and it bothered me to no end. I kept saying to myself, what, 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 um, coming up on this show, by the way, we're going to hear from Dungy because he had some really interesting points 
about two things that I thought were takeaways from the game. Number one, he is watching De- Tommy DeVito's every move. And so I feel like I saw the game through his eyes, and I want to assess Tommy DeVito's performance because while I'm not going to complain about a 24 nothing win, he had one the one play where he throws the interception where he could have easily thrown the ball uh, out of bounds. Dungy has a very interesting perspective on that, and we'll hear from that later on in the show. Uh, Nate Mink from Syracuse.com is going to join us. He was in Lynchburg, um, so was Paulie, but uh, he's not talking to 17 people. Nate Mink will be talking to us in, in, in just a moment here, and we'll break down the Maryland game, because Maryland, we hadn't touched on this on our show, but we did on the post game. Maryland scored 79 points in their game over, in their win over Howard. So their offense is clicking against a defense that I thought played very, very well. So it's the irresistible force against the immovable object, Syracuse and Maryland. And Syracuse did not play a tight enough broad uh, ball game that they can look past Maryland in any way, shape, or form. They have to have their A game this Saturday and eliminate some of the mistakes that they made because they are talented and they can beat Maryland, but they need to beat Maryland. And if they do, they have to play a certain way. I've been saying that. So Maryland, you just, I don't know why anybody thought they would just roll into Maryland and win anyways, no matter how good you played against a team from Liberty. You know, Maryland's a legit football program that has oh, yeah. good players. You know, it's not... Just because they had a lot going on last year besides football on that team that they had to worry about, and it was a distraction. And if this they're focused, they they're going to be good. Yes, Maryland is is some is something else. Let's let's not let's not kid ourselves, and we'll break that all down as the week goes on because I think this is a big football game and uh, a, a pretty massive football game. Because again, if you're going into the Clemson game at two and zero, there's a much different perspective than one and one. And you know, we talked about this this first five games and the way the schedule matches up before NC State be four and one. Be four and one, and that means if you don't beat Clemson, you're four and one, and well on your way to eight, nine, even ten victories. So there's a, a lot riding on this Maryland game, and it's early in the season, but it's an important game nonetheless. All right, Nate Mink from Syracuse.com is next. We're going to hear from Eric Dungy later on this hour. It'll be the fastest hour, you can believe it. And Pauly, by the way, is going to talk to all 16 other people now, and he'll be with us next right here on ESPN Syracuse. This is the Seth Everett Show. All right, back here on ESPN Syracuse, Seth Everett, Pauly Sebelia, hanging out with you until the centers of attention. Uh, Every week, normally on Mondays, uh, we have Nate Mink from Syracuse.com, except last week we had him on Thursdays, and this week we didn't have a show Monday, so we're having him on Tuesdays. (laughs) So... At some point, we'll have you on on an actual Monday, but Nate uh, joins us here on ESPN Syracuse, courtesy of Oswego County Insurance Agency. Nate, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Doing good, boys. I actually, you know, I came into work yesterday uh, expecting to do this spot at 1015, so little... A little unbeknownst, uh-huh. unbeknownst to me, we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, was, <laughs> I had a meeting lying. at 9, and then we had Dino at 1130, so... Yeah, you're totally lying. I, there's no way you can fool us. Um, Radio right, people tell- are lazy. We don't work on holidays. 
some of us. Well, truth be told, truth be told, Pauly did say that if if for some reason the Orange lost on Saturday against Liberty, we were doing a show. Oh, you should just cancel cancel the season. Honestly, if they lose, I mean, honestly, honestly, twenty four nothing. Some people are already freaking out over over uh, what they saw on Saturday. I'm sure we'll get okay, that. Let, let, yeah, let's let, let's discuss that. Uh, very, um, I, I thought you guys had a great headline out of sync. Uh, it seemed like the offense was. I asked Eric Dungy on the post game whether or not there's something called over preparing for a team that you're more talented, and is it a fair to read too much into this game considering the opponent, the first game, the jitters, whatever comes with you? What was your take after watching the way they dominated yet? We're out of sync against Liberty. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, Dino did a pretty good job summarizing what we saw at his news conference on, on Monday uh, late morning. And he basically chalked it up to there was a lot of wide receivers that were in and out of the lineup throughout the preseason. Guys wearing green, non-contact practice jerseys, weren't getting the scrimmage reps. Uh, in the limited uh, scrimmage opportunities that they did throughout camp. And I just felt like you saw what you saw on Saturday at Liberty was just quarterbacks and receivers not getting the timing down, not being on the same page, a little bit of confusion out there. And, you know, I think all that can be, that all can be amended uh, with, with just more practice rep, you know, particularly if that's what you're going to focus on uh, in the week, you know, over the next two weeks, you know, before your, your, your conference schedule starts. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I look at it more in that light rather than, you know, Tommy DeVito is not as accurate or as good as, as we all think he might be, uh, or something's going wrong with, uh, the development of Taj Harris or Nike Johnson or Tristan Jackson isn't that game breaker that we all expect him to be. I think, you know, if, if you listen to Dino throughout the preseason, he telegraphed this pretty clearly, uh, throughout camp that he was a little upset and frustrated that guys were in and out of the lineup as frequently as they were. You know, we're talking with Nate Mink from Syracuse.com. The comments on DeVito are interesting because, you know, he made a bad decision on the interception in the first quarter. And it, it, it's something that I, I was reading something into it. And then, you know, Eric Dungey's doing the post game with me. And he said flat out, and he, for the record, he said it both off the air and on the air. So it's not like he changed his stance. He said, Every quarterback has to have one of those and that he can remember against Rhode Island him doing the exact same thing in his first game and that this is a rite of passage for Tommy DeVito and the benefit is that you're playing a team that can't take advantage of it as opposed to if you do the same exact thing against a Maryland or a Clemson. What's your what's your reaction to that? I think that's, that's all valid. And again, you know, I'd, I'd go back to even the spring scrimmage back in April. Again, Dino alluded to the fact that he wants Tommy to sort of test his limits out there. He wants to see what he's able to get away with, what throw he can sort of push the envelope towards or push the boundary towards. And if it doesn't work out like it did in, you know, on that, on that uh, sideline throw where he tried to squeeze one in there in the end zone and it got intercepted, you know, he's, the hope is that he, he learns from that mistake and it doesn't repeat itself, 
you know, throughout the rest of the season. But, you know, I think Tommy is, is a very gifted passer. I think, again, he doesn't have that full season of experience under his belt. So, you know, when he's out in a game environment, he is still kind of learning and getting a feel for the throws that he's able to make or, or what he's able to get away with. And it's, and it's going to be, in a way, almost different week to week because the personnel and, in some cases, the schemes and the, and the defensive looks are going to change week to week. I mean, I think, you know, when he was practicing, you know, for out, throughout the last, obviously, three seasons, he was going against, uh, you know, the same defensive look, the same personnel groupings, pretty much consistently uh, when he was practicing at, at Syracuse. You know, now he's going up against a new opponent every week, different personnel groupings. Uh, linebackers may be quicker, DBs may be smaller or taller or have longer arms. I mean, that's all going to be something to really watch for in the, in the coming weeks to see how he adapts to, you know, the defensive look and the opponent each week. What We're talking to Nate Mink from uh, Syracuse.com. He's going to be joining us each and every week, uh, normally on Mondays here at 1015, right here on ESPN Syracuse. Uh, Sam Heckel, uh, upper body injury. Uh, Babers was very noncommittal in his uh, press conference. What do you know about Sam Heckel, and what was your take on the offensive lineman? I, kind of a two-pronged question. Yeah, don't know, don't know much beyond what Dino said, other than, you know, Sam, again, was one of those guys that missed some practice time throughout the preseason. So we don't know if this is an upper body injury related to what he was dealing with earlier in camp or if this is a, a new uh, issue that he's dealing with. But, you know, the staff's going to kind of continue to monitor their, his, 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 uh, his status throughout the week. They get onto the practice field this afternoon. Of course, practice is closed during the season, so we really won't really get a feel for it probably until, you know, Saturday, Saturday morning when going through, going through warm-ups. Well, you know, and not to, to put too much on it, but it seems like you would put a lot on Aaron Survey, uh, you know, just in the sense that if he's starting at left tackle and has to go over to center, yes, you have Ryan Alexander there, but if Sam Heckle tries to play, then Survey is playing two positions in a game, and it, it, it might almost be better to just know one way or the other that he's either 90%, no one's ever 100%, but let him be either 90% or not playing. What's your thought on that? I would agree with you, except that I don't think uh, Aaron Service is the guy you need to worry about. I mean, Service, he is, he is, he is probably the, he, is, he is probably their best offensive lineman. He's he's very good at center and he's very good at tackle. You know, I was sitting next to a, a scout from the Los Angeles Rams in the press box at Liberty game, and he turned to me and said, "You know, Service is is the center, and they have him playing tackle this year, like almost quizzically." I'm like, "Yep," and he's like, "You know, that's." He saw him take some notes. Like that's gonna, that's a benefit for for Aaron uh, when he when it's time for him to to uh, you know go on to the next level. You know I think Heckel's absence may have more of a ripple effect with some of those other guys. You know Carlos Veterello, the redshirt freshman who started the game at right tackle. If if Service has to shift inside the center, if Syracuse plays plays it how they did last week, Veterello then moves to left tackle, and Ryan Alexander, the graduate transfer, comes in at right tackle. So I think that's maybe a little bit more difficult for a first-year starter in, in Veterello to he's just trying to get comfortable out there. And so if he's shifting from the right side to the left side, obviously the steps are a little bit different. You know, he, I think, maybe is a little bit more impacted than, than Aaron Service. Um, but I was impressed with how Alexander came in off the bench on Saturday. I thought he played well. 
Vettorello looked like uh, you know a first a, a guy making his first start. There were some good, there were some bad. You know, the key for that position group is they got to get better. You know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the the merry-go-round uh, effect that's going on uh, up front is, is not ideal, um, particularly with who's coming into the Carrier Dome in a couple weeks. Um, so I think, you know, that's a position group I think is, is really looking for improvement from week one to week two more than really any other unit, I think, on the team. Yeah, it's a great point. Nate Mink is our guest from Syracuse.com. And the, the, the point that you're making is unless you can have a, an offensive line that is just humming, uh, there's, I, I don't think anybody can pick Syracuse over Clemson. Now, that doesn't mean Syracuse can't win, but it just means if with, without a, 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 an offensive line that is in sync and, and focused and healthy, you're not even talking about beating, beating Clemson. And, and, and that, that's an underdog status above an underdog status that you're already going into. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think you know what made last year's offense so successful in part was because you had an offensive line that was durable and and uh and and very very good and and this year you know you already you know again you you kind of got dinged at center so that created this ripple effect across the rest of the line and and you know you just really need more than any other position group, that group demands cohesion and just time playing together and familiarity with who's playing next to them. And, you know, I mean, again, I'm going, I'm target, not targeting Vettorella for anything he did wrong, but, you know, he, was, he started the game and practiced throughout camp getting used to playing next to, say, Dakota Davis at right guard. And then in the middle of the game against Liberty, he's asked to play left tackle and play next to Evan Adams. That's an adjustment for, for both those guys. So, you're right. I mean, I think the, the offensive line is, is probably the position that needs to continue to, to get better week in and week out. I think the receivers and the quarterbacks are, are going to be there. I think they're going to be fine. It's just a matter of, of getting that timing back like we talked about earlier. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. And, that, and that's when we'll have a proper gauge uh, for Tommy DeVito because uh, I, I don't think – I don't think you read anything into that game. I think it's a work in progress, and I think this is a much better test for for, for them. Um, tell me one thing about, you know, SU defense was, I thought, very impressive against Liberty. Uh, Maryland scored about 1,000 points uh, in their game against Howard. So is it literally the irresistible force and the immovable object? It's clearly a great test for the defense, but tell me about that matchup, and will the this the SU offense versus Maryland defense get overlooked. Uh, I I don't think so. I'm I'm very very high on the Syracuse defense this year. I think they're good enough to win a conference championship. You know, and and that may not necessarily mean that they're going to shut down Clemson in a couple weeks. But I'm just talking when you look at the way they complement the offense and the special teams. You know, that's that's a unit that you're going to week in and week out be able to set your clock to knowing they're going to be pretty consistent throughout the season. Um, Maryland, it, it's so tough to get a gauge on them against what they did to Howard because it's Howard, you know, and Howard is, is just quite frankly one of the, the worst FCS teams in the country. Um, you know, I, I favor SU's defense in that matchup because they've played together in the same system longer than Maryland has played together in its system. Uh, that being said, though, I mean, Maryland has some nice pieces. You know, they brought in 
Josh Jackson, a graduate transfer quarterback from Virginia Tech, he's played in big games and has been productive at, at the ACC level. I really, really like their running backs. Uh, Anthony McFarland Jr. and Javon Leak, I think, are probably two of the most underrated backs in the Big Ten. You know, they're not going to get the the accolades of a, of a J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State or certainly a Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, but but those guys are tough and they can and they can run. So I think Maryland uh, is going to have personnel that can that can put up points on Saturday. I'd be very very surprised if Syracuse pitches another shutout down there. Uh, uh-huh. But I still I still feel like they are their defense is, is going to be you know carrying the flag uh, you know through the first month of the season. Nate, great stuff. Uh, enjoy Maryland. We'll see you down there. All right, absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Nate Mink from Syracuse.com. Uh, and he, of course, joins us each and every week on the Burdick Toyota Guest Line, uh, brought to you by Oswego County Insurance Agency. Uh, coming up in just a moment, if you missed Eric Dungy, he made his uh, Galaxy debut. He was on the pregame on TK99, and he was on the postgame with me on ESPN Syracuse, and he had some really interesting things to say about his former teammate, Tommy DeVito. We're going to hear that next right here on ESPN Syracuse. Stay with us. This is the Seth Everett Show. This portion of the show brought to you by Bill Rap Rapid Purchase. Enjoy the entire car buying process from your laptop, mobile device, or tablet at BillRap.com. So Saturday night uh, was a, really a, a cool experience because you know it was my second year doing the post game show, which was great. I loved doing it last year. I had so much fun. But this year, you had such a unique partner because Eric Dungy, having been the starter last year, has such a unique perspective on all the guys that he's watching. It's very, very unique. And I even told Eric, I said, if you decided to come back to school and get your degree in five years, it's not as valuable as it is right now because he knows every, every player. So Tommy DeVito throws the first half interception. And listen to Eric Dungy on how De- Tommy DeVito will learn from his mistakes. Check this out. No, for me, it was always I want to throw the ball downfield, and then if things aren't open, then I'm going to go make a play for myself. And then if I can't make a play for myself, I learned later in my career that I have to throw the ball away or slide or get down. Um, but earlier in my career... You learned you know, that a painful way. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, it's one of those things. Learn from your mistakes. So you got to learn from your mistakes. And Tommy made a couple today, but um, they're going to go over it in film, and they're just going to continue to improve and get better. Okay. You see how you see how what he called it was a mistake, not a can't do. He called it a mistake, which I thought was very smart. So then the conversation goes to Dino Babers. Here's Dungy. The thing I love about Coach Babers is, um, you know, if, if I would throw an interception, he would. I'd be on the sideline. I'd be irate. I'd be very disappointed with myself, and he would just calm me down. He just says, "Hey, I have all the belief in you. Shake it off. You got another play. You don't let don't let that affect your uh, future going forward." Um, so I'm sure he was talking to Tommy. Hey, you're fine. You know, just don't do that. Um, and he's going to learn from his mistakes about you know throwing a ball late across the middle. Um, that's just a, one of those no nos, and he kind of got to do it. You know, it's like touching the stove when it's hot. You can't do it um, until you learn it. But um, Coach Babers was always great about. Adversity and just believing in us and um, able to just kind of get us back on track. Now, two things. After that, I said, the touching the stove, it's hot. I said, that's a Dino line. 
<laughs> he says, yes, it is. I said, so, so that's the insight. You're not only hearing about the player, but he played for that coach. So he knows what he said. And as cliche as it sounds, that's exactly what Dino did for Tommy DeVito. And that's exactly what we know just by having him on the show. It's amazing. I'm doing a show with Bob Euchre today. Uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the locker room. I asked it whether or not it's a sigh of relief because it wasn't a very well-played game. It was a, a game. They, they, they won. They're 1-0. What was the locker room like? Tell me if this surprised you. Yeah, it's a sense of jubilation. I mean, they have nothing to be, you know, upset about. I mean, they 24-0, they shut out a team um, at a hostile environment on the road for their first game with a lot of new guys playing. Um, so I think defensively, they set the tempo for the season. And then offensively, they can only go up from here. Um, so I'm, I'm sure they're excited because I'm excited for them. Um, you know, even though I'm not playing, I still get happy. You know, I'm still, you know, yelling at the TV whether it, um, if something happens. So You see how he caught himself? He almost said, like, we're excited. He he, start, he he then took a step back and realized that he's not doing the doing the, uh, the, 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 the on-the-field stuff and that he really is feeling the actions with them. All right, what's the rule on jubilation and how do you stay even-keeled? The Syracuse Orange have a 24-hour rule. Hear it from a guy who lived it. Coach Babers loves to win, so, I mean, he treats every win the same, basically. I mean, it was after every win, we were always, you know, jumping around because, you know, it's exciting. You know, you go to war for 60 minutes with your guys, and um, after every game, you're hard fought, and especially when you come out on top, you're just very excited. Coach always says you get 24 hours to celebrate, and then it's back to work. Um, so you get 24 hours to be happy for yourselves, <laughs> or if we lose, then you get 24 hours to, you know, kind of be sad. But after that, you got to cut it out, and it's time to work for the next week. All right, so 24 hours. So we don't act talking about Liberty tomorrow. We're done. This is it. This is the, the final time we are talking about Liberty because we have 24 hours. Now, granted, the game was Saturday, but we didn't have a show yesterday, and we didn't have a show Sunday. So this is, this is what Saturday will be. Um, it's, just, it's, it's unique insight to have because of what he knows and who he knows and how he experienced all of that stuff. I am telling you, I have worked with many, many athletes before. I have worked with former athletes. I've worked with current athletes. But I don't think I've ever done a show with somebody who literally played with 75% of that roster and everybody in that starting lineup, Eric Dungey, played with and was a leader on that team. And now he's with us. I, it's, it's a coup to have him on that show. And uh, it is it is not not lost on me and that they didn't ask me to do this segment and i just want to state that for the record management didn't come over to me and say hey uh, do a thing promoting the fact that he's on post game i was dumbfounded and I, I i am a man of my word i texted dungy after the game and i said listen man that was very very strong and the insight that you had was unique it was not cliche it was not athlete speak and he was very strong, and I just think that it's great to have him. And next Saturday, I can't wait. I can't wait to do another show with him. He, uh, he'll he be on after the Maryland game on Saturday, and it's a completely different show when you have a guy of that caliber uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on our roster. I was going to say on the roster, but he's on our roster. No, no, no question about it. All right, we'll continue here. We'll also open up the phone lines. We haven't done that today. We got so much to do, so little time. 
315-437-7644. The Burdick Toyota guest line right here on ESPN Syracuse. Stay with us. This is the Seth Everett Show. Hey, coming up at the top of the hour, the centers of attention. Tom Thomas, Danny Shays. Last week I said Danny Shays first every time, so I'm switching it this week. Next week we'll go back. I just want to make sure they get equal billing. Uh, those guys are doing a phenomenal job, uh, and they are heard Monday through Friday right here at 11 a.m. here in Syracuse. So yesterday I, I go through Twitter, and I got wrapped up in two of the matches at the U.S. Open. And I really, I if I spend the day, if I don't have anything else, and I spend the day watching the U.S. Open, I will fall in love with the U.S. Open. I think it is one of the greatest sporting events, and I said so on Twitter, and a handful of people liked it. One person gave me crap about saying it. <laughs> it's who Polly. would that be? <laughs> I wonder who that could be. And all I'm saying is, listen, I say things. Sometimes I'm very negative on Twitter. Sometimes I'm very opinionated on Twitter. Just saying I like the damn tennis, that's not good enough? I don't think I've watched tennis since Jimmy Connors was like 50 and he made that Beyond run at the U.S. That US Open <laughs> when he was really old. Oh, I think that's great. That- I think, and especially the women's tennis. The women's tennis is better than the men's tennis. People who watch it love it. Oh, yeah. it's great. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, that, that's how I, I think. I, I, I don't force my likes on anyone, you know? I mean, I, I grew up a Prince fan. I was never like saying, you must listen to this. This is the greatest thing in the world. Like, all I'm saying is I dig it. I really, that and the Stanley Cup playoffs are two sports that when I don't have a horse in the race, I love. I adore those sports. And not everybody, it's not for everybody. It's just for some people. But I thought, I thought yesterday Osaka losing was wild. That was amazing. This Belinda Bencic, and it took me like two hours to figure out how to pronounce her name. Oh, and by the way, Aaron Service, it's Ricky Gervais. I don't apologize for mispronouncing your name. All right. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 right here on ESPN Syracuse.